Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The puck is dropped. You hear the music, and we are back underway. Yermir Yager might return for 35th season next year. We're here on episode 68 of the Cool Button Hockey Podcast. You know what I say? Bravo. Bravo, like my sister Sophie says, the St. Louis Blues. There was 5.45 on the second period clock. And it was 3-0 Colorado. I was already starting to look at Oilers' abs notes. Well, how have they fared? How's McDavid and McKinnon? What a sexy matchup for the national networks. Wow. Wow. Tarasenko, Robert Thomas, um, side of the net, and then Tyler Bozak. And did you see Craig Berubia? Now, it's only one win. I, I, I know it's a long 3-1 comeback if it happens, but in the moment, in modern time, that's as good as a playoff road win as you're going to see right after Nate McKinnon, then scored to make it 4-3 on the goal of the year. I, I'm impressed. I, I, I was wowed. I was entertained. Maybe the best game of the playoffs, Craig. Maybe the best game of the playoffs. Well, I think the, entertain, the entertainment factor was off the charts. It really was because of the way the abs were playing. I mean, McKinnon, Steve, just think about the first goal. He is banging his stick and he's telling Lekonen, he's probably screaming at him and finish. Pass me the puck. If I spoke Finnish, nobody speaks Finnish. It isn't Finnish. He's letting them know, I need that puck. I mean, you talk about somebody that just says, I'm demanding the puck, get it to me, and I'll finish everything. I mean, Nathan McKinnon was brilliant in that game last night. I'm going to ask you one question. So before we get into Craig Berube and some of the adjustments you made, because playoffs, Steve, are about adjustments. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about Carolina and and the Rangers in, in a minute. McKinnon scores that goal that is one for the ages. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Mayor Lemieux, 1991, against our Minnesota North Stars. You know, ask Sean Chambers and Neil Wilkinson. They get reminded of every time that replay goes. But he was unbelievable in that play. But at, at, with just over two minutes left in the game, after you've just tied it up, you talk about a deflating moment. That's a deflating moment for any team. But the hats come on the ice. And now there's a big, long cleanup. That was the best thing I think that happened for the St. Louis Blues and Craig Berube because now everybody can gather. Everybody can kind of take a deep breath, right? Refocus and everybody's energy stores are filled up. I think that as brilliant as the goal was, 
the fact that the hats came out on the ice, I think absolutely helped the St. Louis Blues just get refocused on the next two, two or so minutes. And refocus, they did tying up the game. I, I like you know, and you would never tell fans not to throw the hats on the ice, but like, what an unbelievable break in my view for the uh, for the St. Louis Blues. I heard you say that last night on the show. I totally agree with you. And because I'm a hockey historian, the same thing happened 60 years ago, Game Six, 62 final. Bobby Hall got a hat trick at Chicago Stadium, and they littered the ice. Punch Imlac said later that allowed us to regroup. They won the game and won the Stanley Cup. Like, can you can you believe the same thing happened twice with with superstar superstar players? And I only know because I, you know, you read the Brian McFarland hockey history books, and the timeout is longer than any timeout for 30 seconds you could ask. And the hats were numerous. And I think Ruby's like, keep throwing them, keep throwing them. Guys, we've come this far. And I, I, the whole thing was magic. And if it was the 60s or even the 90s, Kim McCarr would have turned around and said, I don't care what's happening here. He would have just plowed Robert Thomas. Like, he would have just taken, because there was only one or two sticks that were dangerous in front of the net. So McCarr would have just turned around and said, see ya. He, he, would, he would just want to you know, probably annihilated him and, and no penalty back in the good old days. But because he allows him to stand there, he's the only threat off the back post. And it was a fluke that the puck went mask, pad, and over here. The hockey gods wanted to help the Blues extend the series because it was something, but you are bang on with the hats, which then reminded me about hockey history. So what are you going to tell fans? What are you going to tell fans now? If McDavid gets a hat trick at home and it's a one-goal game, you know what? Don't throw the hats because... Is a netting going to come down from the sky to catch the <laughs> But, Craig, it's true. If, 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 if it was Ranton who scored, then the game's probably over. That's what I think. And, and, and Steve, I didn't know that story about Bobby Hall. And you know what really disappoints me? And, and, and on my mother's 84th birthday, my mother turns 84 today on this Thursday, May 26th. Happy birthday. Yeah. She was punching like secretary. In 1962, I, I got to ask her, how come you never told me that story? <laughs> how come you never told me that story? That is an unbelievable, great story about what happened. And I didn't know Punch had said that, right? But, you know, yeah, you can call a 30-second timeout. It's hard to get everybody back into a state of what they do, back to the goal. One of the big things is I thought the St. Louis Blues did a great job. And you talk about the puck hitting the mask. But the St. Louis Blues, you know, Three down three, nothing. They started to get the puck to the net, but they also got players to the net. They got players inside, right? So it's great to get the puck to the net. Everybody goes pucks to the net, pucks to the net. That's the first part of it. The second part of it is getting players to be able to take advantage. If Robert Thomas doesn't go to the net, it doesn't matter the shot. It just falls away, right? Even Tarasenko's goal. You think about Tarasenko, that puck comes off the pads and he's in the high, higher slot but he moves right in there, bang. You know, all of a sudden, that, there's a goal. So the St. Louis Blues and being able to direct pucks to the net but get themselves to that, Justin Falk, his, his goal, the, you know, was, was that tied it up at 3-3. Another great example of just getting the, the pucks there, and I'm there too. Those two things have to work together. It's not just getting pucks to the net. The body's got to get there too. St. Louis Blues, I thought, like as you point out, from the, from the Tarasenko goal, all the way to the tying goal and the fourth 
goal that tied it up. I thought they did a terrific job of changing and, and turning it. Playoffs are about adjustments and you better understand, you know, what, what a team is doing to you and you better understand what you got to do better. I'll tell you what, one of the things that you could look at going into game six for the St. Louis Blues, more of that. Because if they can do more of that, oh, you might be able to take advantage. <laughs> yeah, and, and you call it kind of, you know, leaving clutter in front of the net. So when the puck's there, then the bodies are there. And sometimes trailing allows you to do things you wouldn't do if you're up a goal. Justin Bulk is not there if it's 3-1 St. Louis. And, and we get it. And that's, you know, that's what you have to do. It's the old Gretzky with the, you know, running team Canada saying, if they've got three, we've got to get four. So I need the backdoor Niedermeyer. I need Jovanovski. I need to turn a three-on-three with a back uh, pressure forward. Like, where are they going to go? It's three-on-three and they have a goalie. So they've got one more than us. We have to be able to make that play. And the Blues did. Remember, the Blues can score. Like, this is not the 2019 team. So they they did it and showed character. Bozak was bigger in 2019 because he was three years younger. You know, they don't have the maroon. They don't have Steen. So they needed something else, um, and they were able to get it. And I think that sometimes we can see the wave of emotion. But to me, the, the goal, like, I'm watching in my mind the goal again. How many guys can go three zones in our sport? Like, you're like if you're a three-zone player, yeah, two of them. If you're a three-zone player, kids, you're probably in the wrong league. What does that mean? Well, you get the puck in your own zone. You're just going to go, score. It, it means you're in the wrong league, okay? You're playing double A when you should be playing triple A. Get out of that league. Well, McDavid can do it. <laughs> and so can McKinnon. But the regroup because of the hats and then the tying goal to score six on five was your season on the line. You know what I mean? Like, to be – like, that's – Wow. And I, I, I loved all of it. And then Bozak in overtime. So I don't know what it means, but I say bravo to the St. Louis blues. It gave me just a giddy feeling like, and for people that, Oh, my uh, Panthers are out or the Leafs are out or my team. And I'm not watching, you know what? We got no time for you, Craig. We have no, you're missing something special. If you're not involved with these hockey moments. Yeah, and, and, and that's what they are. They are hockey moments. I mean, to, to watch McCarr, or not, excuse me, McKinnon, McCarr made a great play in overtime too. I like, I mean, the, the shifting up and I mean, what an unbelievable play and a setup he made. But when McKinnon gathered that puck, all I could think about was Danny Gallivan. McKinnon gathering the puck <laughs> underway, moving like, you know, I, I, I had Danny Gallivan's voice in my head. Because growing up in Montreal, that was the yeah, voice of, of my youth, right? speed. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what I had in my head. I, I honestly did, and it, it was spectacular. But like, and, and, and to me, like you know, how you play at any moment in time. I was with Rhett Warner last Friday, former NHL player, and we we're talking with some fans. Were asking about all oh, the the swings in the game, and you know where are those momentum shifts? And Rhett said he goes, "There's swings every shift." There's a swing here and there's a swing there. And he goes, it's not about one big swing. He goes, there's, and, and, and you just got to deal with them. And he, I've heard him say this before, but he said it again, he goes, just because one mistake is made, doesn't mean there has to be a second mistake made. <laughs> right. And he said, so you, you got to deal with this shift to shift. It's back and forth. You got two equal teams, right? 
And I think that that's what we see in the playoffs, right? We see this unbelievable back and forth. We saw it in game four in, uh, in Edmonton. You mean the 132 foot goal that goes in on Smith, the building, you can hear a pin drop, right? Yeah. But the Oilers just gather themselves and here we go, right? Here we go. Let's just get after it. Like, you know, and that, that was to Rhett's point, right? Just made a really good point about, hey, there's, there's not these one big shifts in a game. They're going on every show, like every single time you're out on the ice. There's there's swing here, swing there. How you deal with them is the key to being steady and even. That's a great point. So next time you see Rhett, uh, tell him I said hello. I uh, had a, a very nice NHL career, of course. So now, before we wrap the series, we go back to St. Louis. Uh, I have no worries about McKinnon. I've got no worries about McCarr. Uh, I think the Blues are going to keep those lines together. Like Robert Thomas had three assists in 10 games coming. Like he needed his moments uh, yeah. and he got at, the, at the most important time. Um, we have, we've had some Billy Huso questions and he made some big saves, but they got to him. They got to him. Now I, I'm going to have to say, Darcy, this is why they brought you in. So, so like, it, remember when McDavid said, if you score six, you, or whatever, you know, you score four, you should win four. four, four. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say to Darcy, you know, the abs are going to get three or four. I think we, we need your, we need your game. Now we have, we've had second round phobia. Like that's, we, we, we know what Colorado has gone through with injured goalies and some other, and that's fine. It's all good. But now Darcy five's too much, five's too much. And there were some breakdowns or, I'm not, you know, I'm going to talk about Johnson and uh, McCard decided. I, I get all that stuff. That's, that's fine. Loose pucks. But now Darcy, we need you. And I'm not asking to be Patrick Wall. I'm just saying that the abs are going to beat who so if they do three, you got to give us two. If we get you four, we need two or three. We that that's what needs to be done now because there's moments I'm so excited about his game. And then other moments there's some leakage. There, there can't be leakage. If he's going to take this mighty team, 16 wins into the playoffs, Craig. You just took, you just went into mindset. And, and mindset is such an important thing. I'm going to take you back to game six. It began on June 19th of 1999. It concluded on June 20th of 1999. Yes. And it went into three overtimes. It was the Dallas Stars versus the Buffalo Sabres. The great Dominic Hasek was in the net for the Buffalo Sabres. I will say this. The great Eddie Belfour was in the net for the Dallas Stars. Yeah. Eddie Belfour talked about it after that game. He said, I knew we could get one more on Dominic and I knew that one more wins us the cup and I knew the cup was in the building. And he said, all I kept saying is they're not going to get the, the second goal. We are. And I'm just going to keep playing until we get that second goal mindset. You just, I'm taking you back to a personal experience from Eddie Belfour. That's what you have to have. It's nice. If you have five goals and you can let in three, the greatest victory, I always say this, in the Edmonton Oilers history, the highest scoring team in the history of the, of the NHL, one nothing, game one, 1984, Stanley Cup final versus the New York Islanders. Grant Fuhrer, they might have been winning 6-2. He didn't care about the third goal. one nothing. we're up. You're not getting the next goal. Yeah, and it was the right-handed tough guy uh, who scored the goal. Kevin uh, McClellan. Kevin McClellan, yep. And I remember it from the circle beating Billy Smith. And that's the thing about the Oilers learning from the Islanders, what we talked about before regular season playoffs and final, you have to be able to win high scoring, low scoring, physical, like the Islanders were the perfect accordion. Well, how do you want to play? Like Montreal told Philadelphia, Oh, you, you think you're running us out of the building? No, we'll hit your guys and break the boards. So Montreal did it. 
Islanders did it. So the oil, so it's it's one of those things is you got to be able to do it, Clint Eastwood, any which way, but loose. And I think the Oilers learned. And to win a one nothing game, I bet you that's is Glenn Saylor might say that's one of the most tip of my cat moments to you. Speaking of caps on the ice, because that would go great. Well, I, I will say this. You know what? This has been a master class in hockey history. And we're going to continue probably in our next segments, but we went back to 62. We went back to 84. We've talked about a lot of Danny Gallivan. Talk about history here, Steve. Are you, are you a professor of history? You are. You have your doctorate in hockey history. Well, um, I just want to keep doing it before the kids think that I should be history. I think there's something <laughs> that, and maybe that's where we need a little Dick Irvin to go with Danny Gallivan. It would be great. Rod Smith can do a lot of voices. It would be great if Rod dubbed, and you can make it happen. Rod, can you call as Danny Gallivan the McKinnon goal? Because then that would be something neat for people to listen to. Here comes McKinnon gingerly gathering <laughs> speed in over the line. Here's McKinnon dangling. Scores! You know, kind of like the Gila for a moment. Um, and that doesn't do it justice. I'm just picturing Danny, who I just thought was outstanding. And he could turn painting a fence into wow moments. That is broadcasting. How about this? I'm going to ask Rod. To begin the the, the 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 foray with Danny Gallivan and to finish it with Bob Cole. Oh, how, oh, how good would that be? Oh my. <laughs> okay, you know what? Um I, I that's doable. And at worst, at worst, we can call Spearsy and say, get Bob. Although then there could be egos and all the other stuff in play, but but it would be uh, you know. A Mario moment that Bob called McKinnon and kind of putting a tag on it. So anyway, it's just, it's just gives us tingles. It's so much fun. Yes. That's just one. That's just one of three series. So we will analyze the other two in depth, but it's our job now, Mr. Button to make our loyal listeners and watchers a little bit of Sizich as Gino would say. All right, time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the NHL, brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Craig, as you know, Sports Interaction is Canada Sportsbook 19 plus. Play responsibly. Our focus here three games, two and one. Go. Well, I mean, for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, uh, sweet home <laughs> Carolina, right? I mean, that's, I mean, they can't win on the road. So, you know, the Rangers going into the series knew they have to win a game on the road. They played a really good game one. I'm going Rangers. I'm going Rangers. I, I, I thought the Rangers took control of game four. I think they have confidence going into Carolina. I really do. Uh, I think the Flames are cooked. I think the Flames are cooked. I think it's over. Not because the Flames can't respond with a good game. I think the Edmonton Oilers are playing too, too well. And, yeah, the Avs missed a great opportunity in game five. I don't think they'll miss the opportunity in game six. I'm with you on the Avs because, um, I mean, what gutsy blues performance. Yep. So many people, good for Tyler Bo Bozak. So, um, okay, Avs in six. I'll say the Flames because expect the unexpected in this series. So why not give us something else <laughs> to watch? 
and because you took the Rangers and because the Canes are perfect at home and I'm, I'm mad at them. I drew up a power play plan on the show. And I think Rod <laughs> Brindamore was listening. So I hope he uses my power play. And because he does, the Canes win. They're 7-0 after they beat the Rangers tonight, Craig. Here's what I would like to see. How you draw up a power play on a radio show so everybody can see it. <laughs> That's the great gift that Jerry Howarth taught me, the Blue Jays announcer. Paint a picture with your words. Thank you, Mr. Button. With the most competitive odds, Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see what sports betting has to offer. That is sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. That's sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. 19 plus, play responsibly. Okay, you've been there at the Battle of Alberta. Before we get into the specifics, because I'm... I expect big things from 13 and 19. And if you're listening to this podcast, you know that that's Johnny Goodrow and, and Matthew Kachuk. Like it's go time and show time since game number one. But what's it like? Paint the Jerry Halworth picture for us in terms of building. You were at a regular season game with McDavid and I could see the glow in your eyes and the hair on the back of your neck. So what's it like being in the rinks for these games? Well, I'm, being in the rink the last two games in Edmonton, it, it's an absolutely spine-tingling environment. You know, so they have the plaza. Everybody now has the plaza. You know, Calgary has the red lot, Maple Leaf Square, all, all these things. So two hours before a game, you know, there's a gathering and all the fans are in their jerseys. So, so you have this, you have this buildup, this incredible buildup of energy. And then you get into the building and, and the warm-up's one thing. The warm-up, you know, is just the warm-up. It's not really anything. But about nine, eight, nine minutes before the teams are going to come on the ice, they lower the lights <laughs> and the music starts. And then they put up some different video montages. And the fans get up. And with about five minutes before they're coming on the ice, the fans rise. Nobody tells them to rise. They just start to stand up. Because now you can, you, there's a crescendo building. Steve, I got the hair standing up on my arm right now. Because yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm there now. Yeah. And, then, and then in Edmonton, they have the great scoreboard. And then they zero in on the Edmonton Oilers dressing room door that slides open. And all you see is the Oiler thing. And everybody's waiting. Everybody's waiting. And the door slides open and there's Mike Smith. And here they come down that long runway. And, you know, and then when they hit that ice, I'm telling you, it's, it, it's spine tingling. It's, it, and, and it is unbelievable how, how exhilarating it is. I can't imagine. I really can't Steve, because because how exhilarating it has to be for the players to come out to that type of an environment and, you know, and it doesn't stop. And the only time, that it stopped in game four was on that 132 foot shot. Look, I can only tell you this. There wasn't one person in the building, flames fan, flames player, Edmonton Oilers player. And it wasn't shocked. Everybody was in a, was it was in a state of shock. What did we just see? What just happened there? <laughs> like that. But other than that, the environment is unbelievable. And then of course, you know, it, and, you know, they, they, they scored a, to, to go up four, three, and, and then, then the joy begins at the end of the game. It's the same in Calgary. It's the same in Calgary. You know, they don't have the same uh, building uh, capability that the, 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 the Oilers have, but 
it becomes a state of uh, big time anticipation as the teams come out, but the Oilers do it as well as anybody. They do it as well as anybody. And the visuals are, are, are just phenomenal. Like I said, like, like I stand up too. like, I, I I'm up standing with the, like, cause I just, I, I want to take it all in, but yeah. they show that door. And, 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 and you know, when they show the door, it's like, get ready. <laughs> yeah. It's like a mini Hollywood movie. Like yes. it is. And for those who are um, seeing it for the first time or people who are getting like, this is how you get hooked. And uh, it's, yep. it's special. And even the people in other sports say, you know, it's harder maybe in football because it's playoffs or in the winter or it's 80,000 stadium and sunshine and that hockey just does it best. Like we, we get that environment. It's, it's all the great things that we, we know we don't have to sell it to other people because we were long hooked uh, a long time ago. So you mentioned big coming up big. I'm very happy personally uh, for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. We'll get into the Rangers. Like the stars the other night were Andrew Kopp and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Like that's neat. And I thought of you because you had called Kopp a long time ago on your Craigslist for trade deadline acquisitions. And Kopp has probably his biggest game in the NHL considering the stage and the moment and, and all that stuff. And then Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the longest serving oiler, that goal, the first one was his first playoff goal at home. Oh my God, you're thinking 11 years. They call the, the, the 10 of those years, like the, the dark years that he was a part of, not to blame, but if you're part of losing, you're part of losing. I'm sorry. If you're part of winning, you're part of winning. So for him to do what he did, the Jay Woodcroft transition of adding Yamamoto, uh, not sure why uh, Stone was on the ice, um, but there were a lot of neat things. And, and, and it was great that as good as, you know, the stars have been superstars, that there was another narrative for the game. But the Oilers have had 97, 29, 91, now 93, 56. Smith, I, I, I don't see that with the Flaming Sea. Like, a, if I don't see their stars step up, Craig, I, I, I think that we're done. Like, it's go time and show time for you-know-who, right? You're with me on that for Calgary right now? I am, and and don't forget about number eighteen. Okay, don't oh. forget about number eighteen, Sorry. please. Okay, <laughs> okay, because yeah. I, I, so I, I'll talk about Zach after, but let's talk about Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Yeah. Ryan Nugent Hopkins was okay. So he scores the first goal. Just look at the positioning that he's in. You know, Edmonton has done a great job of staying above the puck in the offensive zone where they, where they can take advantage offensively, but they're in really good position defensively. So Calgary, you know, Calgary loves to move to the middle of the ice and then kick it wide. And then they come at you with speed. Edmonton's taken that away from them. And, 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 and a perfect example is on that first goal. Just go back and watch where Nugent Hopkins is positioned. And then of course he takes advantage offensively. We saw what he did on the, on the, on the winning goal. It was just a terrific play all the way from the defensive zone. Let me tell you, everywhere in between those moments, Ryan Nugent Hopkins was brilliant. He was brilliant with the with defensively. He I, I, he made so many strong plays defensively. You know, making sure that Calgary couldn't get the puck into certain areas of the ice. Just sometimes, just by positioning. You know how they tell a cornerback in football to seal the edge. You might never ever get a tackle. But because you sealed the edge, they weren't able to run outside and get to the open field. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, to me, in his game uh, during game four was, was unbelievable. Like, with you talk about with and without the puck, a two-way player, 
Ryan Nugent Hopkins was a poster player for that. Just unbelievable with respect to how he played that game in all its areas. In every single area of the game, he was, yeah, I thought he was just brilliant. Yeah, and I think that's what people don't see. I mean, if you're not there, it's harder to see the above yeah. shot. And, uh, you know, Rasmus Anderson skating up the ice and going, oh, that area is sealed, so I have to dump it in. But if Ryan Nugent Hopkins is two feet to his right, Rasmus Anderson takes two strides to his right, and he's gone. And that leads to a scoring chance, a zone entry, all those types of things. So, and and and, and you hired Daryl, you know Daryl. So what adjustments have to be made tonight? And where can we legitimately say Daryl's got to help this team be better the way, I mean, Craig Berube made adjustments. They're still alive. I uh, let's see Rod Brindamore. We'll talk about that series, his adjustments now again to kind of get the Canes back on track. Shesterkin since the pulls is back to nine 30. Like he, he's back to nine 35 again. So he, he was, you know, he was on the hook and then he, he, he got off the hook. Like he got off the hook, but we'll talk about that. So he's not on the fisherman's hook anymore. Shesterkin's back. So what about Daryl? And he talks to his mindset, Goodrow and Kachuk. Um, Lynn Holman Backlund did some switching. I, I kind of like that little idea, but it's got to be 13 and 19, doesn't it, Craig? It's got to oh, okay. be. Okay. I, I, I know we take it down to, to, to two players, and we always look at the star players. And, yes, they have to play to their capabilities. I'm not, I'm not going to su su suggest otherwise. But right now, the Edmonton Oilers are getting to – are, are stronger on pucks, stronger into space than the Calgary Flames. And, and, and I've, I, I said this, if you go back and look at the winning goal in game four, it starts in the, in the Edmonton defensive zone. CeCe wins a puck. Yamamoto wins a puck. Now Nugent Hopkins comes through, great position underneath. Now he comes through the neutral zone with the puck. That puck goes into the zone. Zach Hyman wins the puck. Yamamoto gets up the ice and wins the puck. And then Barry, I'm getting to the space. He, he, he beat the Calgary Flame to the space, creates the rebound, and then Nugent Hopkins gets space inside. There's the winning goal. I really believe that that play has distills the games two, three, and four down right to that moment. Edmonton's been stronger and better and harder on pucks. They've been more competitive. So Daryl, I'll get to what I think Daryl can do. Daryl can come up with a game plan and a strategy that is that, that he says this gives us a 100% chance to win. If you're not going to compete on pucks and be in the in the battle, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The Flames mindset has to start with every puck matters. Every single puck matters. We're going to you know you know how you check Steve? You check with your legs. You better skate. All I know is I watch Zach Hyman. So that's the first part. The second part, what I would say with Daryl is they got to play more vertical because they're playing too much horizontal. And, and, and that allows Edmonton to get into their defensive posture. I would be driving the puck vertically right at them and then get in our heart on the four check. I would have my defense being ready to come down and have my center or winger third forward high in that spot to cover it because they're trying to back off the defense with the stretch. Go ahead, go ahead. We're going to have that covered with the high forward. We want to keep the pressure on in your zone and keep working. That's what I'd be doing if I was the Calgary fans. Yeah. And, and uh, what you kind of described was uh, the jets. They were really good at being second, every puck battle. They were good at being second, uh, just missing their defensive coverages. And th that's losing hockey. 
there's only two teams on the ice. So if you're second to every puck, you don't have the puck. If you're second to your defensive spot, they get a chance. And we're talking about middle ice. We're coming, we're talking about tracking back to middle ice. We're not asking you to go end to end. We're not asking you to do the, the Michigan. We're not asking you to score a, a hat trick with a minute to go in the third. We're asking you to be in your spot and to be, you can't win every puck battle, but you can't lose them all either. And the Flames are playing second to pucks, which is not their MO, was not in the regular no. season. Not, not, not. And that's what the Oilers have been able to do to them. Um, it would be sad if it only goes five. You uh-huh. imagine after game one, somebody standing up and saying, Oilers will win the next four in a row. Like you, man, you would have been laughed out of the rink. You'd have been, you, you had a better chance of winning the 50-50 draw. <laughs> right? So I, I find it fascinating. I think tonight, the way you painted the picture, it will be about the battle. We called out the Oilers, not enough in the fight after game one. And then they brought a whole bunch of people into it. All the guys you mentioned and then some. Well, now, who is going to be in all of these battles on the flames? This is the, the yin and the yang that we talk about. We'll know by the first TV timeout if the Flames are bringing their game, their competitive game, Mr. Button. That'll be fun to watch. It, it will be, and you're right. It, it now, it, it's about competing. That's what it is. Yeah. Straight up. Rangers, Canes. Have you, I mean, the old three final was a Homer series way back, right? New Jersey and Anaheim. Our buddy Rupper went through it. The Canes, 0-5, minus 13. Full differential on the road. Six and oh, plus 15. I mean, Rod, he's got a lot of hair and he's a good looking guy, Rod the Bod. I think he must have ran a marathon trying to figure out this. Now, if he doesn't win game five, the Rangers are, are going to play Tampa in my mind. What do we see from the Canes? Have you seen something like this in the modern Ovechkin Crosby era? Because I can't recall. No, I can't either. Back to our history uh, lesson today. You know, I like, I can't recall Steve, but, but here's what I would say is, is that, and I know lots of talk is made about Ryan Reeves and everything, right? Like, again, back to what I talked about with Rhett Warner. If you think it's just about Ryan Reeves in one moment, you're not seeing the forest for the trees, right? Like, you know, you're just not, you know, you talk about Chesterkin, right? Keep in mind back to history, 1971, the Boston Bruins lit up Ken Dryden a few times in that series. <laughs> but when, when it got to its critical and important moments, Ken Dryden was magnificent, right? Like, you know, but like, so that's just Sturkin. He's found his game. I keep going back to game one. And I look at the New York Rangers going, you know, you have to win one game in Carolina. You played a great game in game one. And, you know, they, they, they ended up losing it. But what I would say is if I'm Gerard Gallant, I'm going, that's the game we got to play. And if I'm Rod Brindamore, that's what I'm afraid of from the New York Rangers. <laughs> that, that, like, they play a game like that, and we might be in trouble. You know, one of the things, I like the Carolina Hurricanes. All the way through, I'd like the Carolina Hurricanes. You, you know, but there was just, I, I don't know what it is. There's a, there's a je ne sais quoi about them that you just go, it's hard to really just get hard in. Like, you know, to just go all caniac on them. And Game one and game four reinforces that idea. They're not doing anything to take me away from the idea that they might not be heavy enough. They might not be hard enough, you know, to be able to handle the, the, the continuous. Re- I saw it last year versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
you know, when they lost, you know, I'm seeing it again. Anti rant has been really good. He, he, he's been no issue for oh, the hurricanes, yeah. right? That's not where my concern is. My concern is, is that I'm starting to see playoffs are about who can go the hardest, the longest. I'm not so sure the hurricanes can. Well, the one thing that we talked about going into the series was the Rangers with Fox, Zibanejad, Panarin have, they've got the kill shot guys that they've got superstar players and the Canes have a lot of very, you know, Aho on down. There's a lot of, you know, B pluses. And you need the A's. The Banajad's brought it now. And then you need the other foot soldiers. And God love Marty Natchez and his skill. But he's missed some kill shots, you know. Svechnikov. There's been moments when that's when the Marios, the McKinnons, the McDavid's, they win games because in the moment they only need the one chance. And, and they have it. The Canes need a lot of chances. Well, with Shesterkin, that's you're that's gonna wear on you. That that so I think the Canes will come in waves, but they're not like they they have this some stalls. They have some players that can grind it. Can they win a game behind the Rangers' net and then come to the front like you said, pinch in from the point and and score on the clutter? So if they can't, it's not as if they can come in waves and score on the rush, drop pass, because they're good, but. You know, I thought Vinny Trocek had a terrible last game. I thought Jordan Stahl didn't play well. So now they'll, they'll play better. I'm going to come if I'm the Canes and control the puck. But if I keep playing the perimeter, eventually I got to drop my shoulder and take it there. I got to take it there. Lindgren's hurt. Fox has struggled <clears throat> at times defensively. I got to give it to these guys. I got to attack Truba. If I play the perimeter game and the clock goes tick-tock, Gerard Glenn's going to say, great, the Kings got to come and then take it to the net, Craig, and live with the results. If they think they're going to get 10 slot chances and that's going to be enough, I say no. I'd rather be shot like a lion than a lamb. If I'm the Kings, I'm coming, and I know we probably got to get three. If we think we're winning this game 2-1, that's Bob Hope hockey, and guess what? Bob left us a long time ago. I got two questions for you. And I think when, you know, as you talk about it, so I'm going to get to, I'm going to ask you the Adam Fox question after are the Carolina hurricanes in a similar place as the Detroit Red Wings found themselves 93, 94. I know they went to the Stanley cup final and nine really good teams. And, and they had to change the composition of their team Are the Carolina hurricanes like that. I mean, obviously the, the, the Red Wings had all kinds of high end skill, but they had to change the composition of the team. Is that where the Hurricanes find themselves? Well, maybe who's the Mopey, the Draper. You know, they missed a, a Martinook, but he's not at the same McCarty. You know, like the Canes could use Darren McCarty coming from behind the net out front, and he's coming. Like, he's going to circle, and Keandre Miller, the right defense, or Truba and Fox, I'm coming. And I might not score this time, but we're going to leave some carnage, and we're going to come. And I think the Canes are caught between too pretty but not skilled enough and gritty but not gritty enough. So then you're in between, and, and, and the Wings were kind of in that spot, and they had to decide on Primo and, and where they were going to go. So um, I, I see them there. Like, Shesterkin's not giving up 132-footer. He's allowed one bad goal in the series. Well, look at the goals. Like, yeah. they scored an empty netter. They're scoring a goal a game. No, nope, no, nope, it's not going to be – and if the power, each team's going to get two or three power plays tonight. If I look and it goes one for three, oh, for three, it's the Rangers who are one for three and the Canes who are oh, for three. 
You know what that means? They're going to be over six on the road. Because if they go into MSG down 3-2, I, I don't like their chances. I don't. I think the Canes are going to have to win four home games to win the series, Craig. I really do. Yeah, I, I'm with you. So now my second question is, you know, we see the brilliance of Kale McCarr. We see Victor Hedman. Do you think that Adam Fox gets enough credit for being like such an elite star defenseman? I, I'm talking about last year's Norris Trophy winner, but do you think he gets the love that he deserves? I, I, I think that because he was placed fourth this year behind Yossi Hedman McCarr, then it was a fair placing. And as Ranger people have told us, there's been moments in the playoffs he's been really good, better against Pittsburgh without Sid for the game and a half. Uh, and then in this series, there's been some tough times. But when it mattered last game, who tips in the winning goal in front of the net? Who reads the play? You know what I saw last game from Adam Fox? I saw right-handed Brian Leach. That's what I saw. You know what I see? It's funny. You go to Brian Leach, and I go to Brian Leach's partner in 1994, Sergey Zuboff. <laughs> <laughs> so that's okay. We did, we're talking about two Hall of Famers, yeah. like two like two great players. So that's okay. We could we could call them either one. We'll we'll call him Adam Zuby Leach. Yeah, there's a bit of each of those guys and everybody. It's true. Yeah. Zubov might be better because he's right handed and everything. No, so. but I just I I see it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, Ultimate Hockey fans. Our good friend Paul Cohen at ultimatehockeyfans.com forward slash cool button pod to get your discount on ceiling fans, puck-like fixtures. They're flying off the shelves. The factory can't keep up with the demand. Head to ultimatehockeyfans.com to check out the merchandise. Final thoughts. John Tortorella, Philly. Barry Trotz, Winnipeg. Can we just get it done? I want it both to happen. I think they're good coaches. I think Torts and Philly would be great for our content next year on episode 177. Uh, it feels like it's going to happen, Mr. Button. Do you believe it's a good fit? Torts and Philly, trots in the pen. Well, here, here's what I'll say. B both really good coaches, obviously, right? And so, you know, you look at the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. It, it has to start with, uh, with a real directness to their team. Like Chuck Fletcher's talked about trying to change some things and he made some significant changes last year. That's a sloppy team. And there's one thing that John Tortorella doesn't tolerate and that's sloppiness. So if you want, if you want to clean up a sloppy team and a sloppy, uh, 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 you know, approach to playing John would be great. Listen, Barry Trotz. I said this during the year, if Barry Trotz was coaching the Winnipeg jets, I think they would have had 110 points. Because Barry Trotz took a New York Islanders team that was very poor defensively. He put him in the top five, got him to the conference final number of time competitive. What did Barry Trotz suffer from this year in Long Island? Not enough offense. That's not a problem in, in, uh, in Winnipeg. What did the Winnipeg Jets suffer from? Poor defensive play. Subpar coaching. Barry Trotz fixes both of those things. Love it. I love it. This has been so much fun on the Yager episode. And for you kids out there, I guess it was 30 years ago, 92, game one, your buddy Belfour, watch how Yaramir Yager goes through the Blackhawks. And I don't know if you can win a series in game one, maybe you can lose one, but Yaramir Yager, Mario Jr. was something special. And that was a treat to watch. I think he just plays hockey because he loves it so much. And at his age of 50, I guess he decides, what else am I going to do, Craig? What else am I going to do? 
and, and hey, listen, if you have a passion for doing something, keep doing it. Yeah. Boy, the world's still buzzing about Mr. Nate McKinnon. For Bruce Bolton, Craig Button, I'm Steve Coolies. The Yager episode is over. We're back next week. Enjoy the playoffs, everybody. See ya. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.